welcome to the R. Jackson Home Podcast. This week I'm joined by Adam Friedman. He's the government and business reporter for the Jackson Sun. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. So Adam, you, you we were talking before we came on air, you've been here for about six months now and you're getting here right in election season, yeah. so you're getting to see a lot of interesting things. But before we get into what you're doing now, let's learn a little bit about your background. Yeah, oh, so I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana originally. Uh, lived there all 18 years. So I went to college up in Syracuse, New York. I went there, graduated in three years from there. Just really didn't want to be a Big Ten kid. Is that? Cause uh, so I, I, I'm an IU fan for my family because everybody at Indiana University, mm-hmm. for people to know that is. Um, Midwest, you might know that. Yeah, Bloomington. Uh, yeah, so, but then I went to Syracuse and I became a Syracuse basketball fan. So that, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I wanted to get out of Midwest for a little yeah. while, but then I, in hindsight, I appreciate it more now because yeah. then I went from Syracuse down to Naples, Florida for a few months for an internship for about three months, and then I came up to here to Jackson. That's, I mean, that's really four very distinct regions yeah. of the country. Within a five-month span, I lived in four different states and four different areas. Yeah. Because I was home in Indy for a month after I graduated. I was in Syracuse after the month before that, then Naples for three, and then up to here. Um, but it was, it's interesting because it's like you get to where like Syracuse, it's like snowy a lot of the year a lot of the time there's just it's kind of like a more i don't want to say depressing environment but there's more of that winter environment mm-hmm. you go to naples mm-hmm. and it's old people and sunshine yeah, and yeah yeah sunburns and all that kind of stuff and then you come here and it's a little bit actually more like the midwest a little bit you know some of the southern accents stuff like that mm-hmm. but it's a little more like in the sense of here kind of a highway city yeah yeah um so what did you study at syracuse so i studied broadcast and digital journalism mm-hmm. uh originally i thought i was going to go into radio and be like maybe sports or news talk radio. Yeah. Then I decided I wanted to be able to do a little more in-depth reporting. So then I kind of yeah. made a switch mm-hmm. to writing. Essentially, I started as like a columnist for uh, the newspaper up in Syracuse. And then I basically lucked my way into an internship and lucked my way yeah. into this job. So what was your internship in Florida? So I covered uh, environment reporting and like was my main focus and then kind of you were as an intern you kind of did whatever they mm-hmm. told you to do as people new, were for at, a newspaper or? yeah so Gannett owns we're coming over now owns a paper down there called the Naples Daily News mm-hmm. so I did that for about three months they own newspapers lots of places yeah so we're but linked you, but you drew Florida so that good for you yeah so Florida and Tennessee <laughs> are run by the same top boss like they're connected so when they were trying to like they took my interest they're like oh let's try to find you a job in Naples they didn't have openings for four months I said I wanted a full-time job mm-hmm Somehow, some way, somebody found me and said, oh, this job in Jackson. They knew I wanted to cover the government or maybe business slash sports. It was kind of the three years I was interested in. I was, I saw an opportunity for gov- government here. I heard about the election. I knew if I got here, I got enough time to get my feet under me and then yeah. really start covering the election, which is what I kind of wanted to do. Yeah, so so as you, you pivoted, you felt that need to, to write deeper stories. Where was the pivot to government in there? So I've always been interested in politics. Like, I mean, since... I would say the 2008 election. I was about 11, 11 then. I just remember, like, we used to watch a lot of CNN in my family and used mm-hmm. to read a lot of the Indianapolis Star at the time when it was mm-hmm. in its heyday. Um, and so I, I kind of, like, I went to college. I kind of got more into politics and stuff like that. And I kind of knew mm-hmm. I wanted to do some kind of government reporting because at local levels, it's so underappreciated in a sense where people don't always think about their city councilman, their mayor, stuff not, but there's so much stuff going on that it actually affects you day to day. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were talking about the construction over there on I-40. I mean, that mm-hmm. that is something you wouldn't even realize, but it's connected to Mayor Gist, Mayor Harris, Governor Haslam are all part of it. But, like, you know, half the time, 
you know, they, they don't get enough votes. People don't care about it, but that can affect your day commute because I've been here for six months. It's under construction. I don't go that way at all because yeah, it's under construction yeah. essentially to work. And and I think that's a I think that's a thing. Hopefully, people start to realize more and more because you know everybody gets real excited about the presidential election and some of the senatorial elections, but at the end of the day, a lot more things that directly touch your life are the local elections that people forget about. Yeah, I mean, I think. One story I really decided to do was the stormwater fee thing, which don't, people, mm-hmm. people don't know a lot about, but essentially they're going to probably the next mayor at the end of this city council is going to end up raising taxes, and that's something that you don't really think about, but your property taxes could go up, and that's a big it's a big deal that affects people. But a lot of times, you know, you don't have people who, reporters who are focused on it, or they're focused on more of the mm-hmm. like salacious kind of part of government news, but I've kind of really in sort of the nitty-gritty details, I guess, of it. I like that kind of stuff. That's just me. That's awesome. And we, you know, we need more people wired that way. I, I saw, I saw someone said somewhere that the next twenty years, are in ten years or so, it is going to be the best time to be a corrupt local politician. Yeah. Because there's a lack of atoms running around reporting on them. Yeah, I think there's a study that shows when there are less newspapers, there tends to be a spike in government debt, which is lead to them kind of spending like. You know, I think the reporter two times before me, Tyler Whetstone, like on one of his like LinkedIn bots, I think it was always like, my job is to make sure your government dollars are spent right, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Jackson, we've had kind of this transition of reports. We had Tyler for a while, we had Omer for a little while, but we had kind of constant flow. And in that time, the city's city and the county's debt basically is blown like $100 billion combined. I mean, they were probably both at 30 or 40 and now they're about a combined 170 I think, is what they're at. So, I mean, not that it's corrupt there or anything, but that's kind of what happens when you don't have reporters kind of question okay why are you taking out this debt why are we building this why do yeah. you need this then they kind of just kind of just do what they feel like they want to do and work yeah you need a you need a uh someone who's employed in a non-interested party yeah to look into those things because because i feel like i'm a pretty informed citizen but even then like to look through a city budget like oh it's it's i mean sure it's not fun for you either but like i don't have the time yeah i mean I, I enjoy some of the budgeting stuff, looking at that kind of stuff. Um, like, I went through a lot of the... I made... I quested documents to get, like, all the debt, each specific debt, why it was... What it was for, basically, from the city and county. So mm-hmm. I, I like doing that kind of stuff. But you also need somebody who is just at everything and is kind of just there, mm-hmm. kind of saying, why are we doing this? Because, I mean, I think the jail is a perfect example where, as a staff, we... It was kind of a transition period of the Jackson Sun. And I think the jail might have still gotten built, but you didn't really have the same reporters always there kind of pushing i think omar previous guy before we left in june and between june and october is when they kind of approved like i got here that's when they approved the jail and that's something i think if you had a, some reporters who could actually spend the time because we had brandon who was doing his best but he was covering yeah. six things at once i mean you can't yeah. do it i mean you, you can't do everything while you're doing that much that kind of work and if he had been able to really focus on we might have been able to figure out why are we spending the, the, the most money on the biggest jail why do we you know that was a big thing i kind of thought of or why are we you know what are we doing this why aren't we spending the money elsewhere mm-hmm. and whatnot what uh so what do you think your you know you kind of mentioned that tyler's description um but what do you think your role is then you know it's kind of a mix because i've got the business beat government beat and then i kind of just do some whatever stuff so sometimes my role is just to be in the room and put people outside who aren't in the room what's going on so mm-hmm. like there's budget committee hearings next week and stuff like that and i'll go to those and i, I won't really try to like Fact check a time. I mean, I'll do some fact checking, obviously, but I won't try to like, you know, put my own opinion or try to get you know, the sides. I'll kind of just say this is what's happening in the room. This is what's being discussed. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, they had this lynching memorial stuff for going on about two or three weeks, and my goal is just I'm there. I'm telling you what's going on in the room, what the sides are kind of saying. 
And then there are other times where you've got to go a little farther where you've got to um, sort of really get the facts and kind of get each side's opinion and put out their opinions and so people can make their own decisions, you know. I think ultimately it's not my job to make the decision for people. It's to give them enough information they can make their own decision mm-hmm. in a sense because as a reporter, you know, you've got to be balanced and fair. You know, I think everybody's got political leanings. I've got my own political leanings, but you kind of can't pick a side because then you kind of ruin your credibility. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, government hasn't become proactive in informing people. No, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's I think that's the biggest thing from this, the city elections you can see is that every candidate pretty much is talking about communication mm-hmm. in some kind. You know, why doesn't the city have uh, social media? Why isn't the city website better? Why isn't the city doing this? You know, we don't know when our roads can get fixed, when our stormwater, like all this stuff. And some of that is because you've got this entrenched older class that just is used to doing things and hasn't really adopted, which is, you know, when you're voted by what? like 20% of people vote in city elections they mm-hmm. tend to be older like you just that's how you kind of think of who your voters are yeah. but as you know more people get engaged and younger you know you're seeing that I think in city council you'll probably see three or four people under the age of 45 which will be kind of a difference right now mm-hmm. you've got one essentially so you know you might see some of that change but the paper's job is supposed to be kind of that you know we're supposed to be the ones who mm-hmm. is helping the city voice kind of or city kind of tell you what's going on at times you know some of the, the simplest reporting I mean we do as is we can report, you know, we get construction updates from the TDOT, just putting those out there. I mean, just having information out there, especially in the local, local level, like hyper-local, is important because a lot of times also those budgets are so ripped apart and you're kind of, I mean, they're stripped down to as much, basically, little money they can spend as possible. They don't think about having the extra, like, social media teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you, um, so what have you enjoyed about Jackson? Ooh, enjoy, let's see. I mean, so far, I've actually just really enjoyed the fact that the people that I work, like I interview and city councilors and kind of commissioners and even some of the business people, they seem to really be enthusiastic about the Jackson Sun coming back. It doesn't seem to be like this wall. Sometimes, you know, in reporting, you expect, you know, government to kind of hide and whatever. But like, I've noticed, like I've talked to city council commissioners, always kind of are happy that there's somebody there covering their stuff again and they mm-hmm. kind of understand the importance and I really like the fact that it feels like because Jackson used to be Jackson used to be a huge prominent paper and a lot of people still kind of want it to be like that you know it's disappointing that it's not but mm-hmm. I've found that people are really receptive to the reporters they're not like trying to think we're hiding things or we're trying mm-hmm. to put our own biases on stuff they just want us to kind of be there and help inform a sense yeah um what so far, you know, you've only been here for six months, but what have been your favorite things that you've been able to report on? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I am like the details. So, I mean, I like the, the stormwater fee and that whole story. I wrote that, I think, up in January mm-hmm. range. I really like doing that because it's just kind of like my bread and butter of like analytical slash, I don't know, in too much in the weeds kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, some of the, the more interesting stories, like the when the county commission denied sheriff mayor money last month mm-hmm. that was just really dramatic and i kind of enjoyed that because yeah. it was it was like all these county commissioners i talked to a few of them who were like kind of like nervous they did it but they were happy they did it and it was mm-hmm. kind of cool to see that um you know on like a lighter side you know i've, I've liked some of the business opening stuff i did so um when west alley closed mm-hmm. um i spoke with uh the grand so that's owned by a county commissioner's mm-hmm. son Christian, right? Christian, right? And then, well, that's that's the grandson, right? Who's the father? I'm not sure his name, but Katie is. The yeah, one. Katie's like the matriarch. So I got to talk to all of them and got to see them kind of, they had like um, 
a, like a last thing kind of is kind of cool because mm-hmm. they're open they're moving up onto van drive at some point i think opening soon mm-hmm. but um that was really cool because i just kind of got to see some of the history and you know they were probably people who invested in downtown in a way nobody had done before mm-hmm. which was really interesting and they had taken a chance and now they were moving but somebody's moving into their place so they weren't like just abandoning this building it seemed like like somebody like it was just kind of cool especially because their family has so much history in the city mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was really cool and then the hub city i thought when i when hub city was the first day I was here, Hub, they announced Hub City opening, the brewery downtown, and then I got to see it being built, the progress of it, and the whole thing was just kind of cool until they yeah, finally from opened front, it. From the front, obviously. Yeah, it was really, it was just really cool, because that was like literally the first story I wrote in the entire Jackson mm-hmm. Sun was that story, and so, like, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I saw them from the first moment until yeah, when they opened. Yeah, until they're open now. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of talked about the nature that journalism is changing. What do you, you know, you're a younger guy, um... And uh, what do you see as the future? Because uh, I'm sure that's something you've got to think about, even just career-wise. Every five minutes, I have a different thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but in general, what what do you think the what do you think the the future looks like? You know, it's interesting because here you have that you have like a poll. You have an older demographic that likes to print, that wants to print, and wants the print to be like it used to be. Then you've got a younger demographic that reads online, doesn't really know the old Jackson Sun, so they don't think of it in the way it used to be. They think mm-hmm. of it as this thing that posts stuff online and on Facebook and has, you know, we do a thing called sunrises now, like these, mm-hmm. these videos and stuff like that. And so it, it feels like that's obviously the future because eventually you're going to run out of your print audience. But, you know, if I knew where it was going, I'd be very rich yeah. because I could I could just make a ton of money. Like I was joking with one of our other reporters we were talking through Facebook analytics yesterday about some stories. And I was like, I was like, if you knew why people clicked on your story, not this story, you could take that theory and you could be so rich in five minutes. So, um, you know, I think the future ultimately is in doing all these different things, podcasting, video, you got to still report, you know, the print, like you still got to write things. I mean, that's what the one difference between, I would say between the Jackson sun and BBJ and some of the, Radio is that we can really spend the time and the space going super in depth. You know, BBJ is at things and they're more covering things, and they they they're given some opportunity at times to go in depth. But we have the ability on almost any story not to have that thirty second to a sixty second time frame. You know, I can write because online there's no longer the space limit. I can write thousands of words on stuff if I really want to. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be careful what people read. You know, you can see people around the four hundred five hundred word limit is when they start to kind of tell off once they're really interested. But you know. You have that ability. So I think the future is just continuing that kind of deep, in-depth reporting. And the hope is that at some point, when you figure out the balance of print and online and all the other stuff, you get it'll make enough money to get enough reporters in so mm-hmm. you don't have people stretch as thin. And then you can kind of start building back up. Because, you know, one of the the publisher of the uh, whole southeast of Gennady, who was from Naples originally, said kind of like, at some point you're going to hit a bottom. And then you're going to start growing again. So at some point, you know, journalism has been in this 10-year run since the recession of just like, decimation after decimation mm-hmm. you know but at some point the way the market works is you hit the bottom and you know everybody that can't survive is no longer there and then you can kind of start growing back up you know you know at some point maybe we'll be able to you know really go back into expanding outside of the jackson madison county area but part of that is we need broadband in those areas too to kind of do that but you know if that if those areas get really good internet and they're able to read the jackson sun because they have good internet every day we might be able to keep expanding into Think of cities like Rocket County, mm-hmm. go up to Martin, because we really don't do that stuff anymore. We're kind of just the circle. Yeah. Oh, and just resources. Yeah. I can't cover everything. No. With... I mean, we try to do it for sports, and it's you can see they get their strain thin at some point because mm-hmm. they're driving all over the place covering different people. Like, I don't know where Ty Simpson is. He's one of the 
like a football player. I want to say, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I've saw. He's some big football player that is like pretty far away, and a couple of reporters keep keep going out there to cover him, and it's good, and people really like the stories. But like at some point, you got to figure out like you're driving hundreds of miles a week. That's gas money. That's expenses. It just adds up, and is it worth it in the long run? Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to thing to answer. You've been here for six months now, so you've and you're you're getting to know. You know, one of the interesting things about your job is you get to know Jackson in a way that very few people get to, um, in depthly, like almost nobody else gets to. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you uh, what do you see in the future for Jackson? So this is this is funny. You caught me on a good day, actually. Um, this morning I spoke. I'm not going to say who, but I spoke with um, a prominent construction guy kind of developer in Jackson mm-hmm. about some stuff and I would ask him the same question like what do you see as the future and we were talking about it throwing back and forth and it seems like the future in Jackson is can they get can they start bringing people back across the highway almost is a sense 40, 40 across 40 bringing people south. so like the way you see the city is and this is he made a really good point this week I was trying this morning was that Jackson basically has grown 50% in population but like doubled its size since like the 60s and 70s. It used to be basically in this, you know, you had a Bemis, so that you added people, but like it was pretty kind of located. And that's why you, you had all these kind of like, when you have as many people in an area, you're able to build things and able to bring more commerce in because kind of aggregation is key to bringing in business. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, is the future of Jackson, you know, is they want to build this downtown and they want to, they have all this, you know, stormwater stuff they want to do and all this road stuff they do, but they need ultimately to have people in Jackson and stuff like that. And so if they can, figure out the combination of the right schools and businesses to bring people or keep people or bring in new people. I mean, you don't really need to bring the same people back. You can just start bringing more people to the downtown area and kind of grow that up. That's where the future has to be because that's, I mean, that's the future of almost any city. If you look at it and they've got this, a thriving kind of downtown square and some areas around it and then they've got mm-hmm. apartments and then that leads to houses around those and that leads to schools and that leads to kind of this, everybody rising up. Cause if you look at like the business base and the job base, it's pretty good here right now. I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, you can always have higher wages and stuff like that, but they're bringing in companies and companies want to come here and there's lots of space out, you know, in the industrial park to build stuff. Yeah. People want to bring companies here. It's just, they haven't figured out the schools piece of it mm-hmm. in a sense. And that's the hardest piece. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's hard to get good schools when you have this many people because you've got so many different factions, you only have so much money. But if they can figure out how to, you know, that Madison and Lambeth kind of centered where they are and they can bring people, create those neighborhoods around them and really create these like city neighborhoods. I mean, this, it has a chance in the next 20 years mm-hmm. to just blow up because you'll be so close to downtown that people will go in downtown for stuff. You might see all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's lots of space in downtown to grow, too. You know, by the Jackson Sun. From the Jackson Sun, basically, the city hall, it's there's a farmer's market on your on your left, but then it's all kind of abandoned places. Yeah, yeah places. there's a lot of opportunity down yeah. there. Um, yeah, I sometimes wonder, because I, I feel like the future is, and not the immediate future, but, you know, 100 years from now, everybody lives in all the major cities. And it's all farmland for the rest of it. Is kind of how I see yeah. people. People transport out to no, go farm and stuff. But and I wonder if we're on that. If we are big enough to make that cut when that really that as that generate as that generation changes yeah. and people leave continue because I'm from a small town. Yeah. Um, people continue to leave small towns. I wonder if we're big enough to maintain that trajectory or not. But well, so what's interesting about Jackson is that. I feel like, in general, people are always trying to go to the bigger city. Like, you know, if you grew up in Jackson, you want to go to Memphis. If you grew up in Memphis, you want to go to Nashville. Or if you want to Nashville, you want to go to New York or mm-hmm. L.A. or whatever. And so Jackson has the benefit that anybody from all these towns surrounding us wants to go to Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, Humboldt, Paris, Dresden, even a little bit. I mean, you go to Savannah, you go up to Martin. Like, 
that their big city is mm-hmm. Jackson. And so, you know, if you get these cities, Jackson might be able to be one of those. It's not going to be the top tier. It's not going to be the Nashville, even Memphis tier, but it could be in that mm-hmm. next tier city where, because I don't think you can have just farmland from Memphis to Nashville. There's, you know, it's a, what, a four hour drive, three and a half hour to get across. Like you need something kind of in the middle mm-hmm. where people could live. And so, you know, I, I agree that it, we're all going to cities, but I think Jackson has the ability to kind of pull from mm-hmm. all the rural areas to kind of become a the rural city almost. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in a big city. I did. What do you miss about the big city? Um, the diversity of food. Okay. So, you know, Jackson, there's lots of good restaurants here in Jackson, but just when you live in a big city like Indy, there's so many different restaurants of, mm-hmm. and kind of like always people trying new restaurants too, kind of thing like that. Yeah. That's the thing in Jackson where you've got some of the traditional stuff and you've got the old country store, which is over here, which is really good. I like it. I'm a big catfish fan. That's just mm. me personally. Um, but then, like, you know, I'm a big sushi person. That's just me. And mm-hmm. so I like Sakura over there and stuff like that. And But, like, we don't have any major Indian restaurants around here. You know, we, have, we had a couple, but that one over in Hollywood closed. Mm-hmm. You've got some of the barbecue stuff, but you don't have, like, all the different ethnic groups. Just because you don't have, it's not, it's, it's a diversity. You don't have that public population. Yeah, you don't have, like, Indianapolis, even though it's not, like, as big as some of the, you know, East Coast cities, has a lot of different ethnic groups in it. And mm-hmm. that, that kind of bring in that culture and that bring in a little bit of that food and so like here you know there's it's just a little bit less so it, and then when you like I said when you get more people together you can do more things and that's mm-hmm. the thing about Jackson too I mean if you really look look at it not a lot of stuff really opens that's brand new it's either bringing back things that are previously closed or things moving to van drive I mean that's a ton that's a ton of it I mean yeah I mean if you know I, I how many times I've seen a business move from South Jackson to you know even my six months here to, to North Jackson or you know like the movie theater they're opening is really they bring back old theater they closed before. Like they're just that's kind of what's going on. And so, at some point you got to figure out how do you bring in new stuff instead of just kind of recycling the old stuff mm-hmm. over and over again. But have you been to Jamaican and African cuisine? I have not. So have I've gotten the jerk chicken. No, I have not. Just a shout out to my boy Joseph. All right, it's really good. Say so yeah, I tried. I've been to um, what's the Mediterranean place right behind Co? Uh, there we are. Mediterranean yeah. cuisine. Yeah. The yeah. names are not that creative. No, the name, but it's good. No, but yeah. it's good. I went there for lunch. It was a couple of weeks ago, I think. And like, there's definitely some good diversity of food, but there's just like, there's only in like one Mediterranean restaurant oh, yeah, or yeah, one yeah. sushi restaurant where like, you get an Indian, you have, I mean, yeah, you should, I mean, you wouldn't imagine the amount of Mexican restaurants we have. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like, I mean, there's yeah, you don't have three loses. No, we don't. I mean, here there's what there's tequila, there's portillos, there's te- Tulum, and then I'm trying to think, is there any Los other Matales? Los Matales, and then yeah. there's uh, Don, Don, yeah, Pancho. Don Pancho. But it's like five in Indy that those five would have four chains throughout every part of the city. Plus you'd have the, the little local ones. Yeah, little yeah. local ones. Yeah. And so like that's just the difference. And it's not necessarily better or whatever. It's just that it's when you get that when you get that many people in a place, you can kind of support that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh and professionals. I mean big Oh well yeah. I mean that's luckily I'm a basketball fan and Grizzlies are not that far away. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Pacer fan. I went to the when they played the Pacers earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But luckily you have that, but yeah, professional sports, I mean I'm a Colts, Pacers, Reds fan, so. Reds? Cincinnati oh, Reds. Because okay. my dad's from Cincinnati. Gotcha. Going back there, but. Yeah, I mean, luckily nowadays, too, you can pretty much. the On TV is actually probably better than going to most of the games. Like, I mean, I find with mm-hmm. football, watching on TV is almost as good a product as actually being there. Yeah. Because when you go there, I mean, it's, it's like a seven hour day versus when you watch it, it's three hours and you, yeah. can, you can watch all the other games on Red Zone at yeah. four o'clock. And the cost. 
Yeah. Oh, the cost. But I mean, and just because that, like, the Red Zone channel, that, like, three to five o'clock window, it's just, you can watch all that. But if you go to the game, you can't do that. And Indy has a beautiful stadium. Yeah. It's really nice. And it's, what's not about Indy is that it's not a, like, Nashville is not a disaster of traffic. traffic. It's actually pretty well designed, the way the stadium was put on the side of the city and the way the highway flew. And so, like, in Nashville, you might be sitting traffic for hours after a game. In Indy, you can get, from where I used to live, it was 25 minutes to the game and probably 35 out. So, That's crazy. No, it's not, it's pretty good. I mean, just because it's the traffic's just not as bad. I just remember when I went to I've been to Indy a few times, and just every time you're like in the middle of nowhere, 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 city. Yeah, it's just like out of nowhere. It's I mean that's kind of how the way if you drive forty, it's kind of the same way where it's like nothing, nothing boom, Nashville, then mm-hmm. Memphis, then Chattanooga, or not Chattanooga, then Knox, Knoxville, and then Jackson. Like it's just kind of random pops of, yeah. of people clustering together essentially it's so interesting on why those happen too you know but well Adam thank you so much for uh, making the time to come over I know you've got to get us get to a story uh, as most reporters do but um, yeah thank you so much for for choosing to come here and to help make Jackson a more transparent place yeah appreciate having me on Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Cove. To find out more about The Cove, visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit ourjacksonhome.com.